Open your Bibles, if you would, to Luke chapter 5, Luke the 5th chapter, and uh, Terry Amaral is going to be speaking next Wednesday night, and then starting on the 22nd, we're going to call uh, this, these prayer meetings are going to be starting at 7 p.m., and they're going to be called Ignite. Ignite. Brenda was taking a nap this afternoon, she woke up and thought that would be a great word to describe uh, what we're going to be praying about. So ignite. And how, how this is going to look on Wednesday evenings uh, is we're inviting the whole church to come to prayer at 7 p.m. And then the service will start at 7.30. Uh, so don't miss it. I believe that we're just going to have a really, really awesome time. Amen? So that starts on the 22nd. And then we're going to have a, a conference in the month of February for three nights on Tuesday night, Wednesday night, and Thursday night. Right in the middle of February, a young man, John Collier from the UK, uh, will be here. And uh, he'll be ready to do a good job. It's going to be great. Amen. And so good things are in store. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. In Luke, the fifth chapter, and uh, we notice with us tonight, in Luke chapter 5 and verse 12, it says, And it came to pass, when he was in a certain city, behold, a man full of leprosy, who seeing Jesus, fell on his face, And besought him, saying, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. And he, Jesus, put forth his hand and touched him, saying, I will be thou clean. And immediately his leprosy departed from him. So we've been looking at different areas where why we are sure it's God's will to heal everybody. You know, Jesus corrected his theology. He said, if you're willing... And one translation says, of course I'm willing. So Jesus is the express image of the Father. He didn't come down here on earth to do his own will or his own thing. But he came down from heaven to do the will of him that sent him. And so we watch his ministry as he went about teaching, preaching, and healing. Those were very, very important parts of his ministry. He didn't just come on the scene and heal. He got something into them many times before he healed. He taught them the word. You see, you'll see in the scriptures where the Bible talks about hear and be healed. And of course, many people want to be healed, but they don't want to take the time to hear. Now, people can be healed without hearing in the arena of miracles, in the area of, of the mercy of God. But I believe this, once they get their healing, they better start hearing. Why, why is that? Because there's, there's a counterattack. There's a counterattack. And so what we do then is we fortify our inner man with scriptures so that we can use them against the enemy when he comes to rob us of that which we have. Amen? And so say it with me. It is the will of God. For all to be healed. Now, if we took time, we could spend a lot of time tonight talking about different types of redemption. But I want to center in on one tonight, the Passover lamb. It's just an awesome, awesome, beautiful, beautiful type of the Lord Jesus Christ. So if you turn in your Bibles to Romans 15 and verse uh, 4, it says, For whatsoever things were written before are aforetime, were written for our learning. So we can learn something tonight that we through patience and comfort of the scriptures, we might have hope, okay? So there were a lot of things written in the Old Testament that are for our learning and that point to Jesus. 
Some people want to do away with the Old Testament. Why in the world would we want to do away with something as precious as the Old Testament? It is a beautiful, beautiful, beautiful uh, word. Amen? In 1 Corinthians 10 and 11, it says, Now all these things happen unto them for examples, okay, in samples. And they are written for our admonition, or we could say it this way, they are written for our benefit. Our benefit. Upon whom the ends of the world are come. And so here's our premise tonight. The things that were written in the Old Testament, the things that happened to God's people in the first covenant, are written as types for us. What does that mean? What that means is they typify or they portray what has been fulfilled in the New Covenant or in the New Testament. And one type, just a beautiful type, that many of you are aware of is the Passover lamb. But I believe that we can learn and glean some even greater things tonight from the Scripture. So look with me in Exodus chapter 12. And notice with me in verse 1. And the Lord spake unto Moses and unto Aaron in the land of Egypt, saying, This month shall be unto you the beginning of months. It shall be the first month of the year to you. In other words, something new is about to happen. How many of you know, when you got born again, something new happened? What did you become? You became a new creation in Christ Jesus. Amen? And so we see here, he's talking about something new is going to happen. He said, now here's what I want you to do. I want you to get the congregation of Israel together and tell them in the 10th day of this month... Shall you take to them every man a lamb? Everyone say a lamb. Now it's to be according to the house of your fathers, a lamb for a house. So here's the instruction. I want you to take a lamb for every house. And if the household be too little for the lamb, let him and his neighbor next unto his house take it according to the number of the souls Every man, according to his eating, shall make your count for the lamb. Now notice in verse 5, I want you to read it with me. Verse 5. Ready, read. Now notice that phrase, without blemish. Where else in the New Testament... Do we see the phrase, a lamb without blemish? In 1 Peter chapter 1 and verse, and verse 19, it says, We have not been redeemed with corruptible things, but we've been redeemed by the incorruptible word of God. And then he says, With the precious blood of Christ, as of a lamb without blemish and without spot. So this lamb in Exodus 12 is a type of the Lamb in the New Covenant. Hallelujah. Now in verse 6 it says, And you shall keep it until the fourteenth day of the same month, and the whole assembly of the congregation of Israel shall kill it in the evening. So every house has got a lamb. They're to keep it for a certain period of time. They're to follow instructions very carefully. And they are to kill the lamb in the evening. Now notice this in verse 7. 
And you shall take of the blood, and you will strike it on the two side posts and on the upper doorpost of your homes, wherein they shall eat it. Oh, this is a type of Jesus, folks. Strike it on the two side posts and on the upper doorposts of your homes, and then I want you to eat the flesh of that lamb that night. Verse 8, I want you to read verse 8 with me. Ready, read. And they shall eat the flesh in that night, roast with fire and unleavened bread, and with bitter herbs shall they eat. Do you notice here the instructions? The instructions there. Every bit of those instructions, there's a type of. If I had time, I'd go into it tonight. Roasting with fire speaks of judgment. Unleavened bread speaks of a life that has no leaven in it. Jesus had no leaven in his life. And he says, you shall eat the flesh in that night, roast it with fire and unleavened bread, and with bitter herbs they shall eat it. Now notice with me, how many things were they to do once they killed the lamb? They were to do two things. First of all, they were to take the blood of the lamb and apply it to the entryway of their home. You know, that's a good thing to do for us today too. How many of you know we've got the blood of the lamb? And we may not be using hyssop, but we can use our words. Our tongue is our hyssop. We can plead the blood of Jesus over our homes. We can plead the blood of Jesus over our cars. We can plead the blood of Jesus over our loved ones. Amen? Over everything and over everywhere you go, you have faith in the blood and you have authority to apply the blood to every area of your life. Amen? And so number two, this was not the end of it. They were to apply it, but they were also to eat the body of the lamb, both the blood and the body. Amen. Think about that. In communion, the apostle Paul said, For I have received of the Lord that which shall I have delivered unto you. That the same night that the Lord Jesus was betrayed, he took the bread, he broke it, and he said, Take eat, this is my body, which is broken for you. Behold the Lamb of God, which takes away the sin, which takes away the disease, which takes away the curse, amen, from mankind. And not only do I want you to eat of the bread, which represents my body. But I want you to take that cup, which represents the shed blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. And I want you to take the cup, and I want you to drink it in remembrance of me. Now that word remembrance, I remember Roy Hicks shared this many years ago. That word remembrance means an active resuscitation. In other words, you remember what he's done. You recite what he's done. You declare what he's done. You plead what he's done. Woo, hallelujah. So you've got the bread and you've got the blood. How can we lose? Amen. Now notice verse 10. And you shall let nothing of it remain until the morning. In other words, eat everything that God has provided for you. Like Keith Moore says, eat the whole roll. Eat it all. Partake of all of the benefits 
that Christ has worked for us. And you shall let nothing of it remain until the morning. And that which remaineth of it until morning, you shall burn with fire. In other words, verse 10 tells them to leave, leave anything of it until the morning. Now notice in verse 11. Really read, please. And thus shall you eat it. Your shoes on your feet and your staff in your hand. And you shall eat it in haste. Notice with me, he says, I want you to eat it in a hurry. Because you need to be ready. Because your deliverance is about to come on the scene. He says, so make sure your loins are girded. You got your shoes on your feet. Your staff in your hand. Eat it in hurry. Because something good is about to happen. Amen. In other words, get ready to go. Hallelujah. Amen. Now, in the natural realm, they had no reason to have such a great expectancy. Understand this. They had been slaves for over 400 years. I mean, he's telling us to put our traveling boots on. He's telling us to put our clothes on. He's telling us to get our loins girded up. He's telling us to eat quick. Is that what he said? To eat in a hurry? I can imagine some of them were confused. But now notice verse 12. He gives them further instruction. Because this is what's going to happen. Let's read it together. For I will pass through the land of Egypt this night and will smite all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, both man and beast, and against all the gods of Egypt. How many of you know there is a judgment side of God? We don't like to hear much about judgment. I certainly don't want to be judged, do you? If I do not want to be judged, what I need to do in this new covenant, I need to be applying the blood of Jesus continuously over my life. You know, there's a scripture in 1 Corinthians 11 that says this, For if we would judge ourselves, what? We will not be judged. But when we yield to being judgmental, the scripture says, With what measure you meet, with all shall it be measured unto you. And we don't want that. Amen? So what do you say? We live under the blood. And so he says, I'm coming to pass through. And you better be ready to go. In verse 13, he says, And the blood, everyone say the blood. blood. He says, And the blood shall be to you for a token upon the houses where you are. In other words, a token is a sign. It's a signal. It's something that is to be seen so that when the angel goes by, he'll not go into that house. Now notice this again. And the blood shall be to you for a token upon the houses where you are. And when I see the blood, and when I see the blood, what does God see when he visits your house? Does he see the blood? What does God see when he sees his church? He doesn't see a beat down, beat up church. He sees a blood bought, victorious church. And so he says, when I see the blood, 
You know, a lot of churches have taken songs about the blood of Jesus out of their, out of their church. They said that's too gory and that's too, you know, that's too, uh, you know, that's just not right. No, thank God, we need to sing songs about the blood. We need to be singing about the blood, dancing about the blood, faith in the blood of Jesus. I'm telling you, the blood of Jesus will never lose its power. Billy Brim says this, if you will make much of the blood, the blood will make much of you. And the blood shall be to you for a token upon the houses where you are. And when I see the blood, I will pass over you. And the plague shall not be upon you to destroy you. And when I, when I smite the land of Egypt, thank God, the blood of Jesus stands between us and the destroyer. The thief walks about as a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. He comes to steal, he comes to kill, and he comes to destroy. But when he walks by your house and he hears the high praises of God coming out of your living room, when he walks by your house, hallelujah, and, and you proclaiming the blood of Jesus, he just keeps walking by. Keeps walking by. John Osteen uh, shares this story in about the devil had some trainee demons and he was out walking around Houston and this demon was telling these little imps, these little demonic spirits, okay, I want you to go into that house and I want you to cause a big, big marital breakup. I want you to cause them to get so angry at each other that they end up in a divorce. So the training demons went in there and so forth and they kept walking down the street when they're done and there's a house there. I want you to go in there and I want you to bring all sorts of diabolical diseases, not just to mom and dad, but I want you to inflict the children with great disease. And those little trainee demons went in there and, and they, you know, caused a lot of havoc, a lot of hellish things to happen. And then they're walking by this one house. And the demon, the head demon kind of looked over and kind of kept on walking. And little trainee demon pulled him on the shirt and said, hey, we want to go in there. What do you want us to do? He said, just shut up. Shut up. He kept walking. He kept walking. Well, can't we go in there? Why can't we go in there? He says, look, I went in there myself and they about knocked me out dead cold. We're not going in there. There must have been something going on in that home. There must have been some word going on. There must have been some prophesying going on. There must have been some dancing going on. There must have been some praising going on in that house. Don't wait to get to church to get your praise on. You know, a lot of, some folks come to church, oh, we like to get our praise on in church. Put that garment of praise on at home and keep it on and bring it to church when you come. Yeah. Don't wait to church, to get to church to get happy. Get happy in your own pajamas. Yeah. Amen. Amen. Put your PJs on tonight. Glory to God. Do a little strut down the hallelujah hallway. Everyone say rejoice, rejoice. in the blood of Jesus. Again, verse 13. And the blood shall be to you for a token upon the houses where you are. And when I see the blood, I will pass over you. I'm telling you, there's a difference between us and the world. And there's a difference between a believing believer and an unbelieving believer. 
Because I didn't know there was such a difference. There is a big difference between a believing believer and an unbelieving believer. God loves unbelieving believers. He loves believing believers all the same. But unbelieving believers need to learn to cooperate with the God of all faith and give their life entirely to Him and yield their their mouth to Him and begin to praise and begin to worship and speak the Word of God. Amen. Amen. Oh, what a difference it makes. What a difference it makes when you read the Word in your own home. When you read the Word to your children. Oh, what a difference it makes in the lives of those that have been redeemed. We are the blood-bought church. We are the redeemed of the Lord. Hallelujah! It makes a big difference. Hallelujah. I've got a little granddaughter down there in Branson, Missouri. She's a word girl. I'm telling you right now, she's a word girl. You cannot go to Keith Moore's church and not be a word person. James Thomas, I'm telling you right now, is a man of the word. He is a man of the spirit. They've been sitting under that word for 10 years. Just, I'm telling you, the word of God has a pounding effect. It has a pound it and you just get into it. Let it dwell in you richly in all wisdom. And it begins to spring up. It begins to spring forth. Just like it does in your life. Listen, you're here on a Wednesday night. You could have stayed home. But you must be word addicts or something. I don't know. Say with me, God's word is working in me. It's working in me mightily. So we see this beautiful picture. We see this picture of this type of redemption. Again, they applied the blood to the doorway. And when the destroyer came through, killing all the firstborn of men and beasts, the Lord said, when I see the blood, I'm not going to allow the destroyer to come into you. And he would pass over that house. That house was exempt. That house was exempt. It got passed over. I believe the blood of Jesus applied to our hearts and our lives will exempt us. Now that does not mean that attacks are not going to come. It does not mean that challenges are not going to be there. But what it means is by faith in the blood and holding fast to the truths that you have embraced, the blood and the word will see you through. It'll take you through the darkest storm. It'll take you through your midnight hour. God's word and the blood of Jesus will bring you to the other side on the victory. Amen. So what we want to do then is instead of living on the defeat side and having a pessimistic pessimistic attitude about life and about things getting so bad and getting worse and worse and worse, we want to live over here on the victory side. I said we want to live over here on the on the victory side. Now, even though total victory has not yet been manifest in certain areas of our lives, we've chosen to live on the victory side. We're going to live in victory. We're going to sing in victory. We're going to speak victory. We're going to plead the blood in victory. And at the end of the day, when the dust settles, we'll be the ones still standing. I said we will be the ones still standing. Because we're standing on the promises of God. We're standing on the unchangeable blood covenant. Hallelujah. So he says, why are you so excited? I am because I am. Thank you. The house was exempt. 
And we know that the wages of sin is death. And we know that all men have come short, have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Is that right? And the wages of sin is not just spiritual death, but it also can mean death in its manifold uh, ways in our lives. You know the reason we're not going to hell? (laughs) You know why we're not paying the price for all of our mistakes? Because we exercise faith in the blood of Jesus. Look at Ephesians chapter 1 verse 7. Say with me, I've been exempted. I've been passed over where judgment is concerned. Ephesians 1 7, great verse of scripture. Read it with me, please. In whom we have redemption through his blood, even the forgiveness of sins. Hallelujah. Amen. So we see then that this is a type of the spotless Lamb of God. Listen to this statement. In Passover, they were spared from death when they applied the blood to the door frames. In the new covenant, we are saved from the penalty of sin because we've applied the blood by faith. Now look at 1 Corinthians 5, 7. 1 Corinthians 5, 7. Such a great verse. Of course, it says, Purge out therefore the old leaven, that you may be a new lump, as you are unleavened. For even Christ, our Passover, has been sacrificed for us. Isn't that good news? Somebody said, well, I thought this was a little series on healing. Well, it is. Somebody said, well, I, I don't see healing in there. Well, I'm about to read to you a scripture that will set your feet a dancing. You have to remember who these people are and what they've been doing. These precious people had been beaten to a pulp. And I'm not just talking about young people. I'm talking about grandmother and grandfather beaten to a pulp. These people were treated like livestock. They were literally slaves. And so were their fathers. And their fathers before them. Generation after generation after generation of slavery. They had quotas that they had to meet. And if they did not meet the quotas, they were beaten brutally. The taskmasters drove them, many of them, to an early grave. How many of you know when you're treated like that? How many of you know when you don't have a decent place to live, and the food is substandard and there's malnourishment, you're going to have some sick people. Imagine that. We're talking about... With, with women and children, we're talking about two to three million Jewish people. Two to three million. Under the tyranny and the diabolical treatment of an anti-God spirit right there in Egypt. But when they came out that night... Something happened. That's why I told him to get ready. I can just about picture Aunt Minnie, about 90 years old. She says, I heard we're supposed to eat in a hurry because we're going somewhere. Get my boots ready. 
Get my suitcase. Get my clothes ready. I'm ready. I've been in Egypt too long and I'm ready to get out of here. And then think about one of the guys that was out there working and working and had a stroke. And he heard that it was time for them to be delivered. They literally had to get him ready. They had to put his clothes on him. He could hardly move. They packed him up and he was ready to go. Look at Psalm 105 and verse 36 and verse 37. Man, this will set your feet to dancing. He smote all the firstborn in their land, the chief of all their strength. Verse 37. He brought them forth. Hallelujah. He He brought them forth. He brought them forth. Now notice with me, they didn't leave broke. They were broke, but they didn't leave broke. The scripture said they borrowed from the Egyptians. Literally, they just took what they wanted right out of their hands. Well, don't tell me that the wealth of the sinner is not laid up for the just. He brought them forth also with silver and gold. I want you to know when God delivers, He delivers in style. And not only not that, there was not one feeble. <laughs> Woo, hallelujah. There was not one weak, not one broken anymore. There was not one diseased anymore. I mean, when they came out that night, they came out whole. They came out strong. They came out healthy. Amen. Amen. And when God brings us out, he didn't just bring us out of darkness. He brought us in. He brought us into the kingdom of his dear son. He brought us out of darkness into the kingdom of his dear son, which is a kingdom of light. And in the kingdom of darkness, there's sickness and disease. In the kingdom of darkness, there's all sorts of depression. But when you cross that line of faith and you come over into the kingdom of God, he will bring you out of that and he will bring you into strength. He will bring you into a position of having a sound mind. He will bring you out of a purposeless purposeless life into a life of purpose. Oh, come on, somebody. He will bring you out of despondency and bring you into the kingdom of hope. He will take you out of the power of darkness and bring you into the kingdom of light, the kingdom of abundance, the kingdom of righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Ghost. I had joy. I had no joy over here. I wanted to die over here. I was a sick man over here. But when I came to Jesus, hallelujah, this joy that I have now, the world didn't give it to me and the world can't take it away. I'm now over in the kingdom of joy. How about you? We're in the kingdom of light. We were futureless fugitives. But now we are people of purpose. We've got a reason to get up in the morning. We've been delivered. 
Oh, praise the Lord. Woo, hallelujah. And so he brought them forth. Oh, what a day it must have been. Think about it. Glory to God. They're out there walking. And the Spirit of God comes upon them. And takes the symptoms of stroke right out of Uncle Joe. Hallelujah. Takes the symptoms of despondency right out of them. And gives them a purpose in life. Say it with me. If he brought them forth. He's brought me forth. And what he's done for one. He will do for all. Thank you Lord. Glory to God. The question I have for you. Is this not a type? This is a type of redemption. A type does this. A type portrays the real thing. It points toward what is coming and really what has already come. That is the Lamb. Hallelujah. That has taken away the sin of the world. Do you see healing in there? Do you see redemption in there? Well, let's stand up and thank God for it. Amen. I preached long enough. Hallelujah. I'm glad you came tonight because I preached myself happy already. (laughs) Glory to God. Amen. Let's thank God for His Word tonight. And don't forget to plead the blood of Jesus tomorrow morning. Before your little feet hit the floor, just say in the name of Jesus, I plead the blood of Jesus. Amen. We need to. There's crazy people out there, man. There's kooks out there. There's people that aren't paying attention when they're driving. They're too busy texting. Lift your hand up with me and say, Father, I thank you for the Lamb of God. Right now, I take the blood of Jesus. I take the hyssop of my tongue. And I speak life. I speak strength. I speak blessing. I speak protection. I speak redemption. From the crown of my head to the soles of my feet.